Soft landings don't happen. The recession noises continue to get louder and louder. Oil is down big again. The curve flattening almost into contango today. Gasoline too. Interest rates are falling all over the world. September is over. We might end up wishing we could go back and experience bond sell-offs all over again. Let's check where we are. Currently, oil prices, the front month contract at 75.70. The sell-off is accelerating. And more importantly, as I mentioned in yesterday's video, the one month calendar spread right up front, the front two contracts, that's down to just three pennies in between them. We're in within sight, a hair's breadth of contango again. The three month spread, the more important three month spread, just 38 cents. That one was about $6 back in September. And contango, this flip from backwardation to contango is an important signal, as you can see on the chart here. When the oil curve, the WTI futures curve, is in backwardation, oil prices tend to be rising. And the economic circumstances behind rising oil prices tend to be more favorable. But when the curve goes into contango, oil prices tend to be weaker and the economy tends to be going in the wrong direction. So a flip back into contango is indeed a signal that the market is perceiving weaker fundamentals for oil as well as the overall economy, the overall economic picture, all of it. This is very reminiscent, more and more so, of 2018 heading into 2019. We had all of the same essential ingredients. We had Fed officials more worried about inflation, doing rate hikes, talking about the risks of a tight labor market in the face of skeptical markets, inversions in places like Eurodollar futures, RIP, uh, also, swap spreads, as we're going to talk about a little bit later. A bunch of other indications suggesting that it was not going well. And remember, October into November of 2018, oil prices suddenly started to fall. The oil curve shifted into contango after being very steeply backwardated during the summertime. It sounds really familiar, doesn't it? And oil prices would continue to go lower. Interest rates would follow with them. We hit a landmine, and eventually what became an actual outright recession around the world. The Federal Reserve didn't quite, was never quite ready to declare one, but if you recall, they stopped hiking rates and they started cutting them in 2019, unexpectedly, of course. So there is a lot of the familiar ingredients here working as 2023 winds down and becomes 2024. There's some key differences, but the general theme, the general gist, is largely the same. So when we go through all of the updates for what's going on, the recession noises that are getting louder and louder, remember, soft landings don't happen. Soft landings never happen. And the recession, renewed recession, might be the least of our troubles here if we continue to move in the same direction as fast as some of these numbers indicate. We've got a lot of numbers to go over, update on the marketplace, and we got to hear from Jay Powell what he has to say about how surprised the econometric models are whenever the economy does something they don't calculate. I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Eurodollar University has research subscriptions available as well as memberships. The memberships are about the Eurodollar system, the monetary system, how it works, how we can understand how it works from looking through all of these esoteric financial indications, what they are, what they mean, and why we have to do all this. That's what our memberships aim to fill you in on. They're available at our website, eurodollar.university.
One of the most astounding aspects of the 2018 into 2019 globally synchronized recession, of course, we'll never know for sure how it was going to turn out in the United States because the COVID pandemic came along. But the 2018 to 2019 recession was declared in several places, including Japan. But the Japanese didn't realize that the economy there was in recession until... July of 2022. No, I'm not making this up. They did not declare, the cabinet office did not declare official recession in Japan until last summer, three and a half years later. But when they did, they said, you know what? Yep, October 2018. That was the month that we hit the top. That's the month that we hit the peak. And it was not just Japan. Many places around the world, especially in Europe, they continued to show weakness heading into 2019. That even made the Fed say, Oh boy, we may, we better stop cutting. We better stop hiking rates here and start thinking about cutting them, just as markets were pricing. And it was Jay Powell earlier today who, boy, he gave a, a really interesting speech about this very topic, not necessarily recession, about the inability of economists and their econometric models to forecast what he called surprises in in the economy. And he was giving the speech at the Federal Reserve Board's Division of Research and Statistics, celebrating their 100th anniversary. And I mean, here, take a, here, let me read it to you. Even with state-of-the-art models and even in relatively calm times, the economy frequently surprises us. But our economy is flexible and dynamic and subject at times to unpredictable shocks, such as a global financial crisis or a pandemic or just recessions along the way. At those times, forecasters have to think outside the models. Translation, our math is genuine crap. Even though the research division, the research and statistics division employs dozens of economists, dozens of PhDs, why not hundreds, it continues to produce modeled forecasts that don't conform to reality. The economy continues to surprise the econometric models because Surprising to most people, they don't model all of the stuff they should, including these financial market indications, which, however you want to look at them, they have a much, much better track record than anyone at the, the Research and Statistics Division, which is kind of what Powell was saying, oddly enough. So one reason why oil is dropping like a stone and the, the oil curve is flattening out into even, I mean, we're even talking about contango here, is we've got problems in Asia and China, despite the fact that everybody says China has turned a corner. Well, everybody said the same thing about reopening, and we know how that one turned out. The U.S. labor market, which, after the September payroll report, was exceptionally robust, except the September payroll report proved to be another one of these statistical anomalies that the BLS throws at us every once in a while to try to get the, the establishment survey back on trend. You look under the hood... In the household survey, the unemployment rate that's now actually rising because maybe jobs are being cut across the economy, jobless claims, maybe the U.S. labor market isn't so robust. We got some inter interesting data yesterday from the Federal Reserve too. Revolving credit. Revolving credit had gotten weak in the middle of, that, of, middle of this year. It even turned negative for the month of June in the aftermath of the banking crisis, but then it turned positive again. Either out of need or out of risk-taking, the disinflation rebound in the economy. Consumers started spending again in the summer. Well, the September figure for seasonally adjusted consumer credit in the United States, that was a low-level increase, just $3.1 billion, among the lowest of the entire cycle, going back to 2021, suggesting, again, 
the disinflation rebound in the U.S. is over too. And we need only look at Europe for a glimpse of that future because Europe is farther ahead of us in this disinflation rebound trend, this cycle within a cycle. Again, disinflation is not ending. As oil prices and gasoline prices are showing, disinflation is only going to get stronger from here. And that's not good news because the disinflation rebound, the positive con contributions to the overall economy, those are done and over with. Everything has rolled over and the global system is heading into what we would all recognize, not just the Japanese, as a recession. And it is much, much worse in Europe. And out of Europe, its largest economy, what used to be the engine of European growth, the German economy, is looking truly, truly ugly at this moment. Now, remember back in January, I'm going to continue to come back. I've said this all along. I'm going to continue to come back to this because it's, it fits in with our theme about what Jay Powell was saying, how the economy continues to surprise all these politicians and central bankers and economists. It was German Chancellor Olaf Scholz who in January 20, 2023, early this year, said, I am absolutely convinced this will not happen. Germany going into recession. Well, Germany was already in recession when he said so. But more importantly, the German recession looks to be getting a whole lot worse, even though they've been in it for an entire year, going back to the fourth quarter of last year, back when curves inverted. Curves got that one. They absolutely did. They've nailed several recessions already. Uh, the U.S. is just, again, further back in the pack. But the German economy has been in recession since the fourth quarter of last year. And as I said, even Olaf Scholz is recognizing it's going to get a lot worse, though as usual, the language he uses is, well, here. After receiving the report on weak economic predictions at the Chancellery, Schultz said Germany's export-reliant economy was currently experiencing a weak phase due to tepid demand for its manufactured goods in key global markets. As things are a little lacking there at the moment, we are also noticing this, Schultz said, before listing initiatives his government is taking to boost business activity. Back to Schultz. We have to make sure now that we get back on track and stimulate growth. That's why we're confident. And he's been confident the entire year. But notice what they said. Not only did the German forecasting office get it wrong about the German economy, and now they're saying, yep, Germany's going to contract this year. And we're not looking for a whole lot of growth next year, maybe under maybe under percent if we're lucky. So not only have they downgraded their forecast, listen to what they're saying here. A weak phase due to tepid demand for its manufactured goods in key global markets. And that's the part that's really reminiscent of 2018. They all blamed trade wars back then and the tariffs from the Trump administration when it was euro dollar cycle number four. It was a globally synchronized recession that we could see in trade terms first and foremost. Trade was where it got weak first. We saw Germany fall off early in 2018. And by the, we got to, by the time we got to the end of that year, it was clear the entire global economy was in trouble, even if it took the Japanese three and a half years later to say, yep, it was really that bad. But we're hearing the same sort of, we're hearing the same sort of language used here again for a German economy that is a reflection of the global economy, and we better hope that's actually not the case this year. I'm gonna show you charts here on German industrial production. So where Schultz tried to downplay it as saying, we're a little lacking here at the moment. 
you can see exactly why the weasel language that he used is so incredibly misleading and disingenuous. According to the same German government and its statistical agency, industrial production in Germany has fallen in each of the past four months up to September. So that's four straight months during this third quarter renewed swoon, the end of the disinflation rebound, which for Europe happened sometime in around the second quarter, entering the third quarter. So by the time we get to the summertime in Europe, trouble is already on the horizon. As you can see, the sell-off or the, the drop-off in industrial output in Germany during the summer months is incredibly steep. It's down not just four months in a row, but in those four months down 3.4% which may not sound like much, but that's a 14% annual rate of decline sustained over a three-month period. That is a sharp drop-off. So not only is the German industry facing a sharp drop-off in the summer when everybody thinks the U.S. economy is booming and the world is starting to turn a corner, according to many, about China. Instead, the Germans are saying, hold up here. Things are getting a whole lot worse that we even have to recognize from our chancellor's point of view, although he tries to instill confidence. But essentially... It's not just the downturn in the German economy, it's the downturn starting from as bad as the German economy is. When you look at industrial production, it is a measure of volume of output. And according to their latest numbers, in the month of September 2023, output in Germany was the worst and lowest it had been since November 2010. Now, I'm not saying the rate of contraction is the worst since the recession back then. I'm saying the level of output, entire output, total output, as low as it had been just coming out of the worst crisis the last time. We're talking about November 2010, almost 13 years ago. That's how bad output has gotten in Germany. And that's the scary thing here, because as the economy of the post pandemic era starts to reveal itself, what that means is we're coming out of this nominal funk where everybody had associated nominal growth and price changes for actual economic conditions, where we see by German industrial production, as well as German trade numbers, the volumes in them, just how bad and how bad off the global economy is and has been over the last couple years. That has been masked by the increase and nominal prices and nominal revenues. But as that nominal illusion disappears and wears off, we're the entire global economy has to revert back to what? It's volume levels. And that's the scary thought. And that's what we're starting to see in the marketplace. We went through this massive downturn at the end of last year and into the beginning of this year. What's really a slowdown, pushed some economies into recession. But then the disinflation rebound reignited that misleading interpretation, among other things. So we thought that we avoided the recession when we were just wily coyote going further off the cliff than we ever thought we could get. And that's where the markets are now saying, uh-oh, it's not just oil. We see it in German rates. We see it in U.S. dollar and treasury rates, global rates. As I mentioned previously, Swap spreads is a key indication. U.S. dollar interest rate swap spreads. I keep bringing these up. A negative swap spread, as I've talked about before, and if you want to see what, what exactly negative swap spreads are out, you can check out the video on that. I won't go over that here. What I, will, what I will say is that when you see swap spreads compressing, which means they get more negative or they turn negative if they've been positive as they did in LIBOR swaps back in the day, 
But when these interest rate swap spreads turn more negative, that means that there's more demand for hedging because financial participants are increasingly nervous and anxious. And number two, the ability to take on that hedging is impaired because money dealers, who we really depend upon for monetary sufficiency in the world, they're constrained in some way, which leads to the same type of situation that we see in these euro dollar cycles, which is swap spreads go down, oil prices go down, the oil curve goes into contango. There's nothing good in the real economy. Just recently, we saw the US dollar interest rate swap spreads, the 30 this week, yesterday, uh, Monday and yesterday. The 30s were at minus 73 basis points and minus 72 basis points, close to the, to the recent lows here. The 10s, still around record lows for the SOFR-based spreads, minus 38 basis points the last couple of days. Even the five-year spread continues to be highly negative, minus 28, minus 27 basis points. Negative swap spreads are indeed a bad omen, just as they were in 2018. Swap spreads in 2018, they had been decompressing, which is rising, and some of them became from, went from negative to positive when they were LIBOR-based, uh, in the early part of 2018, which was consistent with the general idea of globally synchronized growth and reflation. But swap spreads, which oftentimes are a lagging indicator, they began to turn around in the summertime. You saw the 30-year swap spread roll over and start to compress all over again, become more negative around July into August. And by the time we got to October, November, December of 2018, they were already heading lower. The five and 10 year swap spreads, they had stopped decompressing and went sideways to a little bit lower through the summertime into the fall, into October. But after October, November and December in particular, the 10 year and five year swap spreads, they were compressing too. So again, more bad omens in 2018 that are, re re that are recurring in 2023. And it's not the first time we've seen all of these because as I said, the recession noises are getting louder. Soft landings don't happen. And as Jay Powell was maybe in one sense trying to warn us earlier today, don't depend upon PhD economists, politicians, and central bankers, those PhD economists always inform. Instead, just look at something as simple as oil. Oil is easy and intuitive to understand. Forget even about contango versus backwardation. We've got massive supply restrictions that the big oil producers around the world have said they're going to maintain, which should be hugely supply positive, especially if the economy's even performing minimally. And yet here we have oil prices going down as they have since September 27th. Gasoline prices getting incredibly low. They're down at the lowest today that, that they've been since going back to last December. So energy prices, despite supply restrictions, energy prices are falling in pretty rapidly. That tells you along with everything else, don't listen to Olaf Schultz. Listen to Jay Powell when he says, don't listen to people like Jay Powell. Soft landings don't happen and the markets are saying, we're now gonna get a heavy dose of reality. You really should check out that video on swap spreads. It is an incredibly important one. It's incredibly important to understand what's going on in them. That's the video that's linked below me. Huge thank you to Eurodollar University subscribers and Eurodollar University members. And thank you very much for joining me. And until next time, take care.